This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy Podcast. I'm Carl Jorn, joined as always by my fellow co-hosts, Brian Trader and Ben Jacob. Howdy, fellas. Morning, Carl. Morning, Carl. We are uh, recording for the June 23rd edition for the uh, podcast today, and we thought we'd change things up by having uh, somebody that gets his boots across as many acres as the rest of us uh, from the agronomy role, but uh, Jeff Demerly is joining us from Wolcott, Indiana, as uh, our first Pioneer Sales representative to join the podcast, so thanks for coming along, Jeff. Good morning, guys. Great to be here. A uh, long-time listener, first-time caller, so it uh, <laughs> so appreciate you guys having me. This is good stuff. Awesome. Well, Jeff, for the folks that may not know you from around the state, would you mind giving a little bit of your uh, history, your background, where you're from, and your time with Pioneer? Yes, I'm uh, originally from Wolcott, Indiana. Uh, graduated from uh, Tri-County High School, uh, home of the Cavaliers, and uh, moved on to Purdue University uh, and graduated in uh, 06. Um, with a degree in ag economics and uh, went on to uh, work in a, a development role there with the College of Agriculture for a brief time and and uh, after that found my uh, place uh, with Pioneer as an independent sales rep um, in 2009 and uh, moved to Wolcott in 2012 and, and built our warehouse and and uh, also our family so we reside here back in uh, my home area uh, working with an awesome awesome group of farmers and uh, raise a, a, a beautiful family, uh, my wife, Jenna, uh, and our four kids, Adeline, Austin, Archer, and Amelia. So uh, we're having fun living life to the fullest. And uh, if my voice is a little raspy, I, uh, I just got done coaching uh, a baseball game with my uh, nine-year-old last night. So did quite a bit of yelling, and, uh, but <laughs> excited to be here nonetheless. Uh, well, no, thank you, Jeff. And uh, we're looking forward to gathering your perspective. Uh, we had some weather that came through. That's uh, one of the hot topics today, uh, kind of through central, south central Indiana. Um, so we want to visit on that. But before we get to uh, before we get to the news of the day, would you mind sharing with us just kind of how things look in your neck of the woods um, and kind of describe whereabout those bounds are that you uh, that you service those acres? Yes, we had growth stages kind of all over the board. Uh, it's um, I made the mistake um, about three weeks into the growing season that uh, this might be the easiest planting season I've ever been a part of and the quickest one. Uh, and that was the, the mistake I made. We, we got an early start uh, around April 5th. Uh, so that Monday after Easter, we uh, were able to join family there on Sunday, but then Monday turned around and got rolling hard. So it, uh, it's been a long planting window with uh, – some pioneer uh, seed and list soybeans uh, going in the ground just last week um, to uh, push that production envelope. And uh, so it's been a long planning window, uh, but everything uh, for the most part looks very, very solid. Uh, we have not had uh, the big goose rounders yet, knock on wood, um, but uh, the, uh, we, we have lacked a little bit of water uh, overall in the season. Month of June, we're just a little over an inch of rain. Uh, so the brown, uh, the yard has turned a little brown uh, the last couple of weeks. I might actually have to mow this uh, this week. Uh, we caught a half inch there a day ago and then uh, uh, a few tents before that. So, um, But overall, the, the corn crop looks very solid. 
um, soybeans are, are uh, some of the early planted soybeans are in full reproductive stages. And uh, what little wheat we do have uh, for our swine production here in White County um, is uh, making its turn and making its rounds. And I'd say uh, might be um, cutting that here before the 4th of July. And uh, with the markets mm -hmm. where they're at, guys will finish in double crops that week too. Awesome, awesome. Um, well, speaking of double crop in terms of opportunities, uh, I was just visiting with some folks uh, yesterday that were asking about plenish beans. Um, and it, historically, uh, you know, a lot of the processors haven't been amenable to using plenish varieties as that double crop option just because the oleic content, um, that heart healthy fat oil, it's just not quite as robust as what it is, you know, in terms of getting it planted and it's more typical. Uh, you know, earlier planning situation, but given the high demand that we're experiencing from end users for Plenish, uh, might be something to reach out to your uh, Pioneer sales representative about because there's, you know, a nice little premium opportunity if you use Plenish as a double crop, um, double crop situation. So that opportunity hasn't been there in the past. I'm sure that'll be a, a big play for uh, folks in Northeast Indiana, Brian, as they're trying to figure out what to do after wheat. But I think that'd be an awesome opportunity to consider given the demand we're seeing for Plenish right now. Yeah, most definitely. And I, I think to Jeff's point, we've got some areas where uh, our, wheat, our wheat will be a little bit behind what Jeff described. I think, I think we'll really have to push to be able to cut much from the 4th of July. The good thing though is, is that we've had these rains kind of that have kept us going. And I do think we'll have some adequate moisture to be able to get the double crops in the ground. And for us here in East Central Indiana, that's always the challenge is whether or not it's gonna uh, be wet enough or have enough moisture to get your double crops germinated. I think we're going to be in pretty good shape this year. And so I would echo uh, your comments there around Plenish. We've got, uh, you know, Bungie and ADM that are both looking for additional acres and is an opportunity there that has not been there the last few years. Well, and for the fellows, if they're not, you know, in a Plenish growing area, I'm thinking about your double crop opportunities. Since we are past the June 20th cutoff, being able to apply dicamba and crop, uh, strongly consider using, uh, you know, Pioneer and List soybeans, just given the the flexibility that that we have to offer that that doesn't come in, you know, the Extend package anymore, the Extend Flex package, I should say. So, uh, just a, a brief plug for the Enlist uh, folks. If you haven't experienced it yet, uh, be an excellent opportunity on your double crop acres there. So, Jeff, I'd imagine you probably have uh, folks that are going to be using that um, following wheat this year. Is that that correct? Yes, that's correct. We, uh, we finished, obviously, um, there was uh, probably more sprayers uh, than cars uh, driving the roads last week um, with the weather we yeah. had and, and some of the, uh, especially early on in the week uh, with the, the right winds. There was uh, obviously uh, with the June 20th cutoff date, so lots of dicamba being sprayed, um, but a lot of comfort uh, and a lot of smiles uh, with a lot of my customers with the enlist package and uh, being able to sit back and kind of watch and and not feel like they have to push the envelope. In fact, quite a few calls that they said, hey, do I need to be out there? Do I need to be doing something? Because uh, uh, the sprayers ended up being kind of like the first planters of the first combines. It felt like you needed to be doing mm -hmm. something and um, gave them comfort in the fact that they didn't have to worry about it. They could wait a little longer, uh, have that flexibility with the enlist package. So uh, they were excited, very pleased, um, told them to keep watch on, on those weed heights. So uh, some of those residuals with that early plant date that we did have, um, you know, aren't holding on completely. So uh, a few guys may have to push that envelope a little bit, but uh, um, had some enlist sprayed this last week because of that reason. Uh, and everything is um, 
uh, immediately reacting uh, to that chemical and, and uh, it looks like it's going to do a nice job overall. So uh, we're excited. Uh, we're excited about uh, where that's headed and, and what that uh, is going to bring to our table and uh, looking forward to seeing the results of, of that herbicide working and working out there in the fields. Awesome. Yeah, I, I think for folks, if they're making those uh, double crop, you know, soybean acre decision, that, that flexibility, uh, peace of mind, especially when you're spraying, you know, so much later in the growing season for that weed control, I think that's a, uh, you know, from my feet, a no brainer. But again, I'm not the one that's sitting in the sprayer cab or uh, making those decisions day to day. So um, maybe we take a, a little bit of a pivot to loop Ben Jacob into the conversation here, think, since I think that uh, Ben probably has the uh, hottest story of the day, if you will, given the uh, excess rainfall that uh, his geography experienced over the weekend. Ben, do you want to maybe catch folks up that weren't monitoring the radar quite as closely as what you all probably were? Yeah, so if you if you think back to a couple of weeks ago uh, when we were catching up on, on a similar storm event that I talked about kind of south of I-70 from Terre Haute through Cory in Brazil, um, getting five and a half, six and a half inches of rain over over oh 36 hours there so last friday night um friday before father's day we had we had a similar situation um but it was it was still somewhat sporadic it was one cell that popped up and came through there and a little bit east of that same area on over into owen county um lingering into bloomington a little bit they had close to nine or close to 10 inches a little over nine inches um, of rain, depending on where you are at. And then pretty much the entire area that I cover had over three inches. Um, you can get online and find plenty, plenty of pictures of, you know, three foot of water standing in downtown Bloomington from that. Um, so with that, we had, you know, 80 mile an hour straight line winds and a little bit of hail. And that brings all the damage to June crops that you might expect. So, um, just, uh, a quick drive through the roads that were open on Saturday morning. Uh, you know, you could find hail damaged corn. You could find most of the roads were closed. Some state highways were closed because they were underwater. Um, and flat corn in some places where, where it root lodged or root tipped, whatever you prefer. So, you know, the big question that comes out of that is this, you know, we're, we're rounding the corner into the last third of June here. How, you know, how bad is this situation? And the main, the main point is a lot, in a lot of cases, it's, it's not as bad as it looks. Um, you know, all that root lodge corn is going to stand back up, has stood back up at this point. I mean, and that's that the damage that you'll get from that's very dependent on growth stage. So the younger the corn is, the less impact you're going to have on, on yield. Um, so really prior to V10, even in a field that lays down flat, stands back up, it yield's not going to be impacted. That V10 to V12 standpoint, you know, three to 4% impact on yield, maybe. Now there, there may, it may be tough to harvest, right? I'll give you that. But as far as overall yield, not a huge impact. Um, hail's kind of the same thing. We don't have anything that's really far enough along to expect a huge, huge yield loss. I mean, even in V8 corn, if you lost 80% of, of your leaf area, that's still only a six or 7% yield loss. Um, now flooding, there, there are gonna be some places that are complete stand loss, but that's not gonna be hundreds of acres or whole fields, maybe in some bottom ground. 
Um, again, that corn that's V10, V12, it can take being underwater for several days and still survive it. You may see some yield impact. Um, so the big concern out of these two rain events probably shows up later in the season. Um, obviously with 16 inches, 15, 16 inches of rain here over, over the span of a month, um, more than that, I didn't add the small showers that we got into my math there. That's just two, sure. two different rains. Um, and it's been hot. So the potential for nitrogen loss has been really high for the past month. Um, and with all that saturation, we're also going to see limited rooting depth. So I, I think that to start with, let's have a realistic yield goal. Um, but as we talked last week with, or two weeks ago with Lance, whenever Lance was on, um, as we talked with Lance, uh, we may need to revisit revisit what nitrogen looks like for this season. And, and if you can get across with the rescue application, there are a lot of places in, in this area that that would pay big. Jeff, I'm thinking back to last year, we had maybe a six, eight incher kind of over over near Remington in the Kentland Brook area, all, all in one event. And I remember the worst, worst thing about that was it wasn't hail damage or, you know, it wasn't root lodging or anything like that. It was how silted up the crop got, you know, how much mud washed up on the leaves. And if you don't get a, a sequential rain shortly thereafter and you got hot days I and mean, you just kind of baking those plants that's that's one thing that i think uh you know a lot of folks aren't aren't mindful of in terms of what what the biggest you know hurt's going to be on those plants is if you're just sitting there and frying them up like an egg in a skillet that's going to you know that's going to be just as tough on them to be able to uh you know transpire and and get water coursing back through that plant in its in its own right so um, yeah, definitely a, a tough situation for growers down there, Ben, but you did a nice job of kind of highlighting the more or less, um, you know, the counts that you need to be mindful of, uh, how much yield are we really taking off the table this early on in the growing season? And, you know, our corn and soybeans are pretty resilient. I remember a few episodes back, we talked about if we were to defoliate an entire soybean plant, you know, just up to flowering, you still got somewhere around 80, 90% of your yield potential according to University of Minnesota. So if we got to take the beating, uh, better to take it early in the year as opposed to right around flowering reproductive stages. Um, so could be worse, but nevertheless, not not an ideal spot for anybody to be experiencing. Well, ben, knowing, you... that, knowing that you've got corn, uh, you know, pretty far along because of that early planting window with all this moisture, how are you looking at potential disease uh, pressure or things like that? Or do you still feel like maybe it's a little early uh, before this moisture has an impact on that? Yeah. So right, right where I'm at, the corn that's farthest along is just starting the canopy. I mean, it's just starting to close in. Um, now one, one good thing that did come, I mean, today's going to be a little warmer and the sun's shining, uh, but af after that rain came, you know, we dropped, nearly 20 degrees stayed overcast and that also helps with the survivability um, from flooding as well so if you if you have to get it um, you know we were in the right spot for as far as growth stage for a lot of our corn and everything um, <clears throat> yeah I think that I think that the overall disease load has been fairly low so far even though we have been hot and humid we've just had so much so much air movement that you're not going to get aggressive spread, but now is kind of 
the time where we can start. I mean, our, our farthest to Longhorn is probably V14. So now's the time really to start looking for stuff like gray and northern that are, are going to be coming in, um, you know, the things that we see every year. Um, so, but overall, overall disease load has not, has, it's been, it's been fairly light this year, somewhat surprisingly with the heat we've had over the past month. I would concur with Ben on that. It was interesting to uh, wake up this morning and, and uh, I'm big on whenever summer turns, I throw on a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and, uh, and walk fields that way with a pair of tennis shoes instead of my boots. But, uh, you know, this morning I woke up to, you know, almost 50 degree temperatures and a heavy dew. And um, some of those weather patterns are starting to turn a little bit here this week. It'll be interesting if disease starts to encourage uh, with those type of cooler temperatures. So um, kind of an interesting wake up call this morning. Yeah, it sure was a little brisk for, uh, you know, if you wandered outside before looking at what the weatherman had to say. Um, I was visiting with some growers yesterday afternoon and it was 70 degrees, a little humid, and we were talking about disease. And I said, well, I, you know, knock on wood, it's too early or we're right about the time frame when we might start to see those spores happen. But it sure feels like tar spot weather to me if we had a few weeks of this. So a um, little early, like I said, but um, but. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how the weather progresses throughout the rest of the growing season. See what Mother Nature brings us, and hopefully, we're able to have a, a low disease pressure year. But I know a lot of folks are um, they're probably excited to apply fungicide on more acres than they have historically, just given where markets are at. So uh, more episodes to come on on that topic. But as you're making those decisions, definitely consult uh, with folks like Jeff, Ben, Brian, myself, because. Uh, uh, if we don't have disease pressure yet, maybe let's keep our powder dry and wait to make that application a little bit later on in the grain field to really make those dollars go to work for you. But, um, but yeah, just, just a couple thoughts, a little more forward looking. Phil, is anything that we haven't had a chance to uh, uncover in our conversation here this morning? I will take that pause as, uh, as I think we got it, but I, I see Ben, he's, he's hemming and hawing. Anything you wanted to leave folks with, uh, Ben? No, I mean, we touched on it, but I think it really, it really bears repeating to, to circle back around to, to the enlist, to the enlist conversation, um, you know, as we have passed June 20th and obviously, you know, with, with commodity prices where they're at, I expect all these flooded out areas um, for people, whether they're in corn or bean bean fields currently for people to go back in and drop beans in um, and having having an option that is not dependent on a calendar date that gives you the freedom to spray you know on into the season is is huge and I think when you when it was 110 degrees down here uh, last Friday during the day guys were trying to get their dicamba applications wrapped up knowing that they only had a couple of days left and you know then all of a sudden we're underwater not having to worry about that and with the cool weather you know slow growing crops early a lot of rain you know like jeff mentioned some residuals just not quite holding it is it is a huge huge benefit to not have to worry about that and know that we have options to go back in and handle some of these difficult to control weeds and to that point, Ben, I would say the enlist that has been sprayed in the eastern part of Indiana, I've been incredibly impressed with how well it has worked 
on those hard to control weeds, mare's tail, water hemp specifically, uh, but giant rag. We've done a really nice job and uh, I'm excited. I think that freedom that you talked about to be able to go past that June 20th date, Jeff mentioned it. If we get another flush later on, we've got some flexibility that we've not had in the last few years and we're doing a nice job of controlling those hard to control weeds right now. Early spraying wow. thus far has been really impressive too, with just its uh, response to the herbicide itself. I mean, instantly, um, you know, morning sprays by afternoon, that mare's tail was drooped over and uh, and was hit hard. Uh, water hemp, same same scenario. So it uh, we're we're really excited uh, with what we've seen. It, you know, it was sprayed a little bit locally last year, but not to the volume that we're spraying this year. And uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun, and growers have been really really pleased. Well, with Enlist being the number one trait planted across all the U.S. soybean acres this year, you know, that's not just within Pioneer, that's across everybody that's grown beans in the United States of America. I think a lot of folks are going to be pretty tickled with the weed control and flexibility that this system provides. And one thing that shouldn't be discounted, I know there are a lot of folks that were still looking to get their hands on Liberty here yet um, as we get later into the growing season. And just knowing that you've got American-made products like Enlist that's produced right here stateside as opposed to relying on it to get off of a boat. Um, just having that, that certainty of having that product in your hands, I think that's uh, something that shouldn't go unstated. So, Phil, I think we did a, did a, did a good service to, uh, to the folks in South Central, Southwestern Indiana, um, talking about uh, what they experienced. For those of us that didn't get nine inches of rainfall in one shot, uh, definitely can empathize with that experience and know that uh, if we're a little dry, maybe, maybe it'd be decent to be a little dry as opposed to nine inches too wet. So uh, we'll see what uh, mother nature brings us here come this Friday and uh, kind of take it from there. So uh, fellas, as always, uh, maybe we let the folks at home know our uh, social media channels that they can follow along with observations in the field. Maybe we'll start with Mr. Schrader. Yeah, if you guys want to uh, get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at BK Schrader or on Instagram at B underscore K underscore Schrader. And Mr. Jacob? You can catch my agronomic musings on Twitter at the Ben Jacob or on Facebook at Ben Jacob Agronomy. And uh, Jeff, if folks want to know what's going on in Wolcott, Indiana, want to see pictures of the family or crops, is there a good uh, social media of choice to find you? Yeah, best scenario is uh, probably my cell phone first and foremost. <laughs> After that, we're uh, we're gonna play it uh, at Dimmerly Ag Plus uh, with uh, both uh, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, you'll find me there, um, or once again on a personal side note with my family, uh, simply Jeff Dimmerly uh, with Facebook as well uh, is where we kind of hang out. And you see all the updates. So love to connect with people. Love to connect with people all over the Midwest and and the countryside and. Uh, I uh, appreciate your guys' invitation this morning. This has been a blast. And uh, hopefully uh, Mother Nature can continue to be uh, a little bit more genuine to us uh, after the winter that we uh, received. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining, Jeff. That, this was a lot of fun. So uh, if you guys want to know what's going on just north and west of uh, Wolkett, follow along with me on Twitter at Jorn. And uh, until next time, be safe, uh, enjoy that freedom to spray on your enlist soybean acres and uh, 
keep us in the loop on whatever uh, we can do to help consult. There's a lot of uh, high yield, high management opportunities yet this growing season. So please uh, consult your Pioneer sales representative for opportunities as they present themselves. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy Team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.